A young girl named Tammy bought a horse from a farmer for $250, and the farmer agreed to deliver the horse to Tammy the following day. The next day, though, the farmer turned up at Tammy's house and said, Sorry, honey, but I have some bad news. The horse died. <laughs> Tammy replied, Well, then just give me my money back. That's fine. The farmer said, Sorry, I can't do that. I went and spent it already. Tammy then said, Okay, then, just bring me the dead horse. The farmer was surprised and asked Tammy, Why? What are you going to do with them? Tammy replied, I'm going to raffle them off. The farmer laughed and said, You can't raffle off a dead horse. Who'd buy a ticket? Tammy answered, Sure I can. Just watch me. I just won't tell anybody the horse is dead. A month later, the farmer met up with Tammy again and asked, What happened with that dead horse in the end? Did you raffle him off? Tammy said, I sure did. I sold 500 tickets at $5 apiece. The farmer said, Didn't anybody complain? Tammy smiled and said, Just the guy who won. So I gave him his $5 back. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. You're saying you have authority over me? Go eat your superior. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy. Don't f***ing say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. And that is Psalm chapter 98, verse 1. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to the Patriarchy. My name is Tony DePani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? Well, man, I'm on my way from New York City. Good, um, you're, you're leaving New York. That's good. Yeah, on my way home, I decided I don't want to stay up there. Yeah. You know, it gets really nuts when New Year's happens. Yes. Well, it's pretty much nuts all year round, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, everybody's up there. You know what? I'm just not impressed with okay. the New Year's Eve celebration at Times Square. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they always drop the ball. Oh, man. It's not, there's not even a sandwich in there. That was bad. That was bad. He's just he's, he's laughing. He's laughing at his own joke right now. That was terrible. I was, no, looking, for, yeah. I was looking for a sandwich in that, so you caught me off guard with that because I really thought you were going to have some sandwich in there. Stupid I do thing. have a sandwich. That's actually not the thing. 
That just came to the top of my head right now. Okay. So seriously, on the way back, we stopped at this place, and they were, it was like the best steak you could ever have. I mean, it was, what do they call that? Kobe beef? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so, but I got the sandwich, and man, it was really good. And so, um... It had cheese made from like I don't know they they got the milk from the the, the their own cattle so it was like fresh mm-hmm. and the Kobe beef and you even used certain kinds of beef fat on how they you know take a bun and they grilled the bun and so I mean it was all kinds of beef that was a part of it and so it was it was just really good and um, just waiting you know, for it they, it's coming. The ball's gonna drop. It was on. It was on sale. <clears throat> the, that kind of sandwich is on sale. Yeah. Okay. It was their Happy Moo Year c- celebration. Mm, that was horrible. That was terrible. I expect better from you. I'm ashamed of you. I told, I told you that these are gonna be terrible. It was ter- you said it was gonna be really cheesy, and I don't even think there was cheese on that sandwich. You I could've... told you there was cheese on that sandwich. Oh, okay. But terrible. there was a guy there um, oh, no. at no. right <laughs> at eleven fifty-five. Sure, he put some bread into a toaster, and you know why he did it? <laughs> no, but I'm sure you're gonna tell me. Because when it when it when it flips over to midnight, he'll have some New Year's toast. Oh. Okay. <laughs> See, we say. <laughs> I was gonna say we saved all the best jokes until the end of the year. I don't think we did. I, I think I think this is we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now. And, and there was not a guy aged, dressed up as it has not aged like a fine wine. <laughs> there was a guy dressed up as Dracula, and I think he had too much to drink because he passed out here on New Year's Eve. Okay, yeah. And so everybody said there was a countdown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> that one was actually kind of funny. I'll admit that one. All right. I, I could alright yeah are, are you done now dare I ask yeah I don't know I mean that's it that's tr- all that's a true story sure <laughs> sure so you got, what the heck you've got well, you've got Times Square uh, a, some fancy sandwich on sale a vampire <laughs> that's quite the trip man that's quite the trip yeah, what, kind of dr- what kind of drugs were you on yeah. Uh, Good times. Okay. I have a, well, it's not a sandwich this week, but it's, I, we, we did breakfast uh, dinner again. But it was uh, scrambled eggs with uh, um, like thick cut um, sausage links. Like my wife cut them up. And uh, she had a really thick cut um, toast. I don't know if you're, I don't know what you're like with toast. I like thick cut toast, but I like crunchy toast too. Like, like a, well toasted toast but it was really good and then she had um all sorts of like mixed uh, fruit and stuff it's like a side dish and everything it was really good I like blackberries and uh raspberries and bananas and something else in there whatever but it's technically not a sandwich you know but i gotta go with what she made and it was, it was good it was good stuff i guess you could i guess i could have made a sandwich out of it this is true i should have thought of this i should have thought i could have taken two things of toast and just put everything in the middle of it see you at know? least i had a sandwich 
You, but it wasn't a real sandwich. You didn't have a real sandwich. You Can had. You tell me that my you, steak from my Happy New Year. No, you was didn't not have real? that. No, it it was as real as the the vampire, and your trip, and any other sandwich you've ever had on this segment, apart from probably episode one. Oh, new listeners, welcome to the patriarchy. <laughs> we do this every episode. Okay, yeah. so but there was somebody at that restaurant for real in oh, the series. No. Oh no! Here they told go. me that they that this new this year Someone their resolution is to me. get butt butt implants. What? Yeah, so I said Happy New Rear. Oh, no! Just make it stop. Oh wait, this deserves this. Hold on. There you go. Just for you. That was awful. Okay. I'm bringing. I'm. I'm taking out 2021. You know, it. It's been that kind of a year. You got to take it out that way. It has. It has. Actually, actually, speaking of that, we're we're going to go to a new segment, and uh, this is one we haven't had before. Great speeches in political history. I decided to talk about the need to deal with uh, um, uh, uh, the uh, the operation and the gouging that occurs in some of the pricing of beef and chicken and other things. Is that uh, that's why I think I indica- that's why I indicated to you we're going to look at whether or not uh, there's a violation of of antitrust laws and what they're doing. I have no idea what he just said. I have that's I have no idea. Speak, speaking of need, needing a new rear. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect sense, man. <laughs> Perfect sense. That's one of the great speeches in, in Absolutely. That's that's one that uh, I'm sure actually as I was about to say this and now that I'm like, no, you know what, this might actually be true, but I was gonna say, I'm sure that they will teach to kids in public schools as they give their speech in front of class. <laughs> but then I'm like, you know what? <laughs> that's that's even more funny because uh, they might actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't tempt them. Don't tempt them. No, I, yeah, no. If you're, yeah, don't sorry. Give him ideas. Don't give him ideas. Don't give him ideas. Oh, goodness, no. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's, uh, since this is our New Year's episode, it's, it's been, a it's been an interesting year. That's the 2021, man. It's, yeah, uh, man. Well, speaking of political messages, you wanted to read one, another one for the new, this is like a, the, 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 what is this, like the holiday. Greetings from the office of the president, too, towards us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, yeah, this comes from the uh, White House COVID-19 response coordinator. Uh, that's a thing. Didn't know that. Uh, Jeffrey Zients. Zients. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. But uh, th- this comes, it literally is on whitehouse.gov. Uh, and uh, I'll read the quote. And it says, uh, for the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. End quote. Merry now, Christmas and Happy New Year. Absolutely. I mean, to me, that that is the most uh, encouraging, uplifting uh, political message that I have heard Positive. all year. <laughs> Positive. Uplifting. Whitehouse.com. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should make that a new segment. We should 
<laughs> a positive, uplifting whitehouse.com. <laughs> Just read read random quotes about the doom and gloom <laughs> coming out of the White House. But oh man. Yeah, that that was a that's a great message to uh to read for your family and everybody uh right before the holidays. You know? I really like that. It was good. Yeah. Well, speaking of doom and gloom and stuff, so you know, there's there's this whole mindset that I think many people have. And and maybe we're all tempted to of kind of doom and gloom. I was thinking, um, you know, we just celebrated Christmas and we're at the time we're recording this, we're getting ready to. But when you listen to us, you will have celebrated it. Make him think it's live. Make him think it's live. Don't tell him. It's live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. And, um, and, uh, you know, so everywhere you go at this time of the year, you got Andy Williams singing in your head. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And I actually, I think it is actually in one sense in that you got Mariah Carey and stuff singing in Walmart that Jesus is King falling is falling your knees. And, uh, and you can't go anywhere without people kind of the, the name of Jesus even being on radio in places that it normally wouldn't be. And so I'm always encouraged by that. You know, uh, Tony, we did this thing at the abortion mill. And uh, it was been about a year ago. We were out there preaching. And one of my elders named Mark Cox was preaching the gospel. And he's preaching from Luke 2 on the birth of Christ. And there is this escort that comes out there with this little... Uh, radio with a speaker and tries to play it and blare out the preaching, you know, tries to overpower the preaching. It, it can't work because you just got a little radio. But this time this guy, he had it on tune to whatever radio station was playing Christmas music. And so as Mark is preaching about you need to fall on your knees and worship the Lord Jesus, I think it's Mariah Carey comes on the radio saying, fall on your knees. <laughs> Nice. And worship the Lord. And at that moment, up until that moment, everybody just kind of like oblivious to what's happening. Yeah. And at that moment, it was almost like when Mark said it and Mariah Carey sang it at the same time, everybody's eyes locked in on the guy with the radio. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the escorts were like flying around trying to figure out how to get that thing turned off. Turn it off, yeah. And, it, and they could not get it turned off. And Mark was preaching. And it was hilarious. And so I'm mean, sad on one end, but hilarious that, you know, so this is the most wonderful time of the year mm-hmm. because of that. And, and so you, you know, you've got all the great things that go along with it and like Christmas carols and new year's Eve parties. And you've got, you know, um, snow and tinsel. I, I, and, I, I don't think snow is the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> I mean, I like snow. My kids do. Yeah, you live in southern Indiana. I live in northeast Ohio, brother. (laughs) It's a little different. It's a little different up here, but but my I will admit, my kids my kids love it. It's really fun to watch them go sledding and stuff in it. So it's okay. You got you know Christmas lights, hot chocolate, Mm -hmm. and and you know all the good uh, um, good you know what good songs and. Church services, food, extra traffic, extra yeah, food, extra traffic, people scrambling around trying to get money and buy stuff. You got your trips to your family members, and you know the ones that think you're in a cult because they're they're not Christians. 
And so you got tense conversations there. You've got uh, um, thicknesses. You've got COVID reassurgence and terrorists and... This is taking a turn. White supremacy, and you've got like Joseph uh, tyrants Joseph and revolutions <laughs> and rebellion and deaths in the family. And, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Did you did you just have a stroke? <laughs> no. I'm just trying to make the point is, you know, yeah. sometimes it's it's all really good and, and there's much to be thankful for until we've Kind of think there's not much so, to be thankful for. So really good until the White House releases a press release. That we should say. Yeah, yeah. And so, what is the temptation for us then? Right? How how do we how do we resolve this? Because you know some Christians will say, "See, it's just a sign that Christ is going to be coming back very soon, and so things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and we don't need to bother bother." Um, polishing the brass on a sinking ship. Mm. Some people, even those who might be more optimistic in their eschatology, can be found nonstop on social media, always talking about, have you known what Joe Biden did? Have you known what the with Dr. Fauci has done or the tyrants have done? Or the you know, it's just always doom. Doom, doom, doom. I've, I've all found, the time. I found the the hide post from this person for 30 days option. Very useful lately. Cause I love yeah. y'all. I, I love, I love y'all on my friends list, but yeah, there are some of you doing that. And, uh, you know, I don't want to unfriend you or anything, but, uh, also, I also don't want to read the doom and gloom all the time. So. Yeah. But you gotta, there's a balance, right? Cause you sure. can't be, you can't hide. Uh, you put your head in the sand. You're not an or, ostrich. Yep. Head in the sand. True, true story. They don't actually do that, but yeah. <laughs> What are you telling me? You just ruined my my life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, now, now you need to go on Facebook and make a post about it and tell everybody how bad your life is. Make sure that their how life things, is just things. as bad. No, I think I'll put my head in the sand about it. Put your... um, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> no, for seriously, uh, we're, we're kind of laughing and stuff. But uh, to be serious, it, it, we don't want to downplay. It can be a difficult time of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's easy to look back on the past year and past two years with COVID and then to look forward and think, you know, we got inflation and all kinds of tough things on the road ahead and to lose hope and to lose heart. And so I thought it would be helpful. And I think you, Tony, this actually your idea would be to try to talk about how, what are some ways and some things the scriptures teach us about how we are to feel and act and and react in the time that we live, mm-hmm. right? We One of the things about this time of the year, it's a reminder that Christ has come and a reminder that he will come. And so we're kind of caught between these two advents or coming of the Lord. And so we are, we are in a position of where Christ's coming has brought joy and so many great blessings— and there's a being the curse is being pushed back, and yet we're not all the way there yet. We're still in the battle. We're still at war. We're still called to be soldiers. You know, uh, John Calvin used to say that uh, the the Christian life is the way of the cross. 
And so there's suffering and persecution and pain that we face in this life. And we can't just laugh it off with like a, a jolly, uh, fake jolliness and fake kind of, you know, everything's good. But what do we do? And so uh, we had a scripture. Maybe maybe it'd be good for you to read that, Tony. Yeah, I got it brought up over here. <clears throat> Let me grab it. Okay, this comes from the book of James, chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Yeah, so we have this this passage here in James. Actually, the context of it a little bit is the beginning part of it is James is men getting on to the rich who belittle the, the, the poor, and he's been rebuking all of that. Also, you know, um, he's... And with that comes this idea of oppression and injustice and all this stuff. And so you've got the issue of persecution and all this stuff that James is dealing with. And the call to God's people then in this time is patience, that we are to be a patient people. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> that's a very difficult thing. That's a, that's a hard fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, because you know you you know you know what you're gonna do. So you to get the fruits of the spirit. How do you get the fruits of the spirit? Well, they're gifts. And what do you do? You have to ask for them. You have to pray for it, right? And you get them immediately, right? No. So when, <laughs> that's the hard thing, right? So you know, if yeah. I pray that God gives me patience, <laughs> He's gonna teach it to you. <laughs> you're gonna have to learn it, yep. and so you're like, oh man, it, it, no, but it's <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So here's uh, what I did is I went through the passage and to make it easy, I alliterated, did a very pastory thing and alliterated some of the characteristics of what a patient person looks like to help us. What is the patience that the Lord has called us to? Because it's not like a passive, bury your head in the sand kind of deal. Like, well, just we're just waiting till the Lord comes. And there's nothing we can do and all that kind of stuff, right? Jesus told the parable of the guy, the, the, the man with the talents, and he buried his talent. And, you know, Jesus rebuked that man hard. So our the, the patience we're called to is not just a, well, I'm just going to wait, throw your hands up waiting. Rather, there are several characteristics about it. And what you see from the passage here is, number one, that it's prudent, wouldn't be prudent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had that. I had that brought up. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> so the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rain. So it gives you an example of the patience. And so where do I get prudent from? Well, it says the farmer waits. And so what kind of what does the farmer do? I, if if you know any farmer that just sits around their hands just waiting, 
Well, I'm just being patient. Well, you know, for one, that's not a farmer that's going no, it's, to. It's not really a farmer. <laughs> rather, the farmer is wise. He seeks the wisdom of the Lord. And so part of prudence is knowing what to do, when to do it. And so you think about that, about the farmer, that he knows that he has to get up early. He has to plan. Like, you know, for example, if the farmer just is like, you know, I think I'll be a farmer today. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's January 2nd. I think I'll go out and plant some corn. Right. Now you just start th- throwing corn all over the place. You're not going to make it as a farmer. Oh, well, he knows there's seasons for things. Yeah. And so you got to have wisdom. And so I think a lot about when we take that to our situation with like the, maybe the uh, supply chain and all this stuff, it's very tempting to be overwhelmed by that, bury your head in the sand or to overthink it and to be scared to death. Right. Yeah. Whereas wisdom and maybe the wisdom we should have had, we should have already had. Mm hmm. But maybe you didn't. So now what are you doing? Yeah. Well, you just you're looking around and it's small changes, trusting the Lord. So the farmer, he's waiting, he's prudent, but he's trusting that the Lord will give the early and the late rains. So like at the beginning of the season and the end of the season, God God's the actual one that gives the increase in the harvest. Whereas we just we are faithful to take the steps. And I think no matter where you're at, whatever you've been. As you think about the new year, now's the time to be prudent and just start making slow, steady steps in the right direction. Didn't you say you said something on a previous episode? It might be a while back. I don't remember which episode, but I remember you talking about um, making the changes about the things like immediately around you first, and like working out there, like things you could control. Yeah, yeah. So you know, almost that whole like, give me patience to deal with the things that I can't control. I don't remember the prayer. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the, yeah, like start with the things that you're under your own, own hand authority. Right. We, uh, what we always want to do is start with like the stuff that's out of our control. Right. <laughs> right. So, but no, we'll start with that, that stuff and be prudent about it. Right. So sometimes you hear like a sermon or a podcast and you think I got to make this change. And so what you do is you run home and you immediately implement it, but you've given no forethought into it. No kind of like, uh, you didn't count the cost. And usually what happens is sometimes that requires a lot of effort on your wife or other people around you that like, and what can even happen, you become erratic. You're like constantly changing, constantly doing stuff. And you're not a steady, you're not the slow, steady progress. You're trying to like hit it all at once. And then you know what happens. It's like the New Year's Eve resolution. You hit it all at once. And then two weeks later, jelly donuts sound a whole lot better. Right. It's the it's the whole extreme diet thing, right? Where I'm, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm not, you know, all this stuff. And then you go hard at it for a short amount of time. And then you, you crash on it because you, you weren't being. And you might even see. Realistic. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was just, that's what I was going to say. You might even see gains on that kind of thing you know, at first, right? Yeah, short term. And yeah. then, it, yeah. And and so, I mean, and I'm one to talk because I do this quite often with, like I've done it with diet stuff quite often. But one of the things that God has shown me from this is it, you need to plan and think longer 
long term about the things so that you're not like constantly being tossed to and fro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So patience then requires prudence. It's wise. It's actually recognizing you have a mission from the Lord and being about it, which leads me to the next part, which is I, I, I in order to alliterate, said be power filled, which the verse there says, uh, verse eight, you two be patient, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Power filled. I almost thought you were going Pentecostals, another P word there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like there is a sense of what what I mean. What does it mean to be powerful? Mm-hmm. And actually, what you find out is that patience is powerful. Mm-hmm. Those who are able to endure hardship and suffering without losing their minds and freaking out, those are powerful people. Have well, you ever seen a guy in a fight that's very calm and is usually quite patient in a fight, and who waits for the right time to take down whoever it might be? Uh, yeah, that's yep. that, and that's yeah. You want to talk about that? You've seen a fight like that. Some some people listening, you you might know what I'm talking about. If you've seen a fight like that, that 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 kind of patience is powerful. Uh, not just because he wins the fight, but it's just the the intensity of watching somebody just stand there and wait for that moment, and then no. They might take a lot of they might take a lot of punches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might take to some. get to that point. They're waiting for the right move, and then they make the move. They're not. Um, this kind of goes back to prudence a little bit, but they're not like. It's the difference between you know prudence and making the move at the right time and being too jumpy and then getting your head knocked off because you jumped in and, and wrong, right. or being uh, what do you say uh, <laughs> being a punching bag like Just never hesitant yeah. to ever move. You never right. move, right? But yeah. you got to make the right time, and that's what it, like being powerful was about. That and that comes from it says strengthen your heart, and, and interestingly enough. We we actually see that uh, in the like the book of Psalms it says that it says be patient and wait on the Lord and He will strengthen your heart. So there's this connection of you strengthen your heart and wait wait a second it's the Lord that does it. Mm-hmm. So it's relying on the Holy Spirit and the encouragement that this this passage gives us says the coming of the Lord is near. Um, the Lord is near and you'll see this here that He's like He's not far away. And you might think, well, it's been 2,000 years. And, I, I, you know, for one, we're not, I don't think the scriptures are telling us to constantly be looking out for signs of Christ's second coming, his final coming here, right? Uh, instead, it does tell us that no one really knows the day or hour, but to know that the Lord is near, that he's not far from us. And and, and that actually the coming of the Lord happens in in a couple ways is that for one, he often, he often comes in judgment on nations Two, he, he's knocking at our door and we may be called to, to, to heaven with him. Um, cause we, no one knows our day or hour of our death except for the Lord. And then there obviously is the final return and there's a nearness to that. Even if it's years and years away that we're to anticipate and to look forward to and to recognize that, all the suffering, all the things we do are light and momentary compared to what we're looking forward to. And so we, we've got the Holy Spirit that operates as kind of like a down payment. And I was thinking of it this way. It's like, say someone has told you that they've given you a million dollars and they've given you the receipt and it's in your bank account and you're just waiting for it to clear. You're waiting for it to like process. Like, 
you can imagine that little time between there, no matter what would happen to you, right? If you had to get bankrupt or whatever between that, that time and then wouldn't matter as much to you. You would bear it because you know the joy of what's about to happen. Yeah. You're about to be a millionaire. Yep. And if that's how we would think of with money, how about the fact that we live in a time when the Lord's already won victory. He's already given us the down payment, the Holy Spirit. And we know there's a time coming in which all of our enemies will be completely destroyed and wiped out and put under the feet of Jesus. And he's even knowing that now. So it's like we got to strengthen our hearts with that, be filled with the Holy Spirit and let that be an encouragement to us. And so that moves me to my next point. And this kind of goes to what we talk about with Facebook and all that is that the patience is prudent, it's power-filled, and it's peaceful. And if, if you see in that passage, it says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the Lord, the judge is standing right at the door. And and so, Tony, the one of the ways to be impatient in, in, in this time is being a peacemaker. And in particular, I mean... Um, I mean, several things here. One, it says don't complain against one another, right? Don't be uh, judging your brothers and sisters in Christ harshly, because if you do, who can stand? I mean, what, the interesting thing is often we think they have sinned against me and God is going to do nothing about it. And so we take matters in our own hands and we become the judge and the jury while the judge is at the door and he can hear it all. And so we think the judge is never going to do anything while he's right there. And so, and he's going to judge us too. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, um, but another aspect uh, Matthew Henry said about this is it's not only not necessarily complaining about each other, it's complaining to each other. Yes. That can disrupt the peace. Yeah. That's the Facebook thing. Yeah. And that's where like, if we're constantly just focusing on the negative and like even post-millennial guys, which I am, and I'm tempted to do it at times, is just harp on all how negative everything is, how wicked and evil everything in our culture is, just nonstop. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Can you believe this? And all it is is grumbling. And you, do you know what the Bible says about grumbling? Numerous things. Like what? <laughs> uh, not to do it, um, that it, I'm trying to think of, there's a proverb that I was thinking of with it. Um, it's escaping me. Gave well, me what happened to the, to the Israelites when they grumbled? Oh yeah. Well, they didn't inherit the land. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, many of them were, the, the earth opened up and swallowed them whole. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems to be like, if you look through the, the old Testament, especially that, that time period, like the sin that God may have judged his people harshly, most harshly for was their grumbling and complaining. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why? Cause it's a bitter root and it leads to lack of faith. And it's, it's a, it's actually, um, a judgment against God. Uh, there's another passage in James where he talks about your, when you speak evil, you're not only judging your brother, you're judging the law. Mm. And I've, I've always like wondered, what does that, what does that really mean? Well, basically what you're saying is, you know, that God's law says you're to treat your, your 
brother well, that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, that we are to, uh, you know, um, take care of our brothers, that, that, that love covers a multitude of sins and all the things. And when we speak evil against our brothers, we are judge. We be, not only judge him, we're now standing in judgment of God's law saying, you know what? I don't think it's good enough. I don't think that's right. Yeah, I know that's the commandment, but I know better. And so let me judge God's law. And you know what happens when you judge God's law? What you're actually judging or whom you're actually judging is God. Right. And so sometimes our grumbling and negativity is often a grumbling about God. Well, discontentment. I mean, that's where grumbling comes from, and it's a discontentment with, I guess, the lot you have, but the lot you have, I mean, is by God's design. So, yeah, it's a discontentment with who gave you the current circumstances that you're in. And like you were saying before, it's it's certainly a lack of faith uh, in the future, too. And I think this this also uh, it leads into how we can be grumbling about those in authority all the time. So, you know, yeah. we kind of opened up and we were kind of picking at a little speech by Joe Biden and stuff. But he is our president. Mm-hmm. And so he does deserve some kind of honor and, and, and rank, at least as far as his office. Right, correct. That yeah. he holds. And I think there's a way... That if you're constantly, nonstop, just if you're just constantly grumbling against the authorities, civil authorities, you you're you're moving into uh, reviling and not actual helpful prophetic word. And it's not just them. I see a lot of people who are not pastors, who probably are not even really that involved in their church, but they're on social media constantly complaining about what pastors don't do yes. or what pastors do. Yep. And they're, they've, they're like self-appointed prophets to tear down all the pastors. And it it's the same kind of deal that the feminists do with tearing down men mm-hmm. and tearing down fatherhood. Are fathers, are there a lot of crap ton of bad fathers? Absolutely. Are there a lot of bad pastors? Absolutely. Are there a lot of bad political leaders? You betcha. But are we called to constantly be harping on those things? Right. Um, I don't know that that's the patience of the Lord. And it's certainly, it has the tendency to cause not only you to sin, but now when you complain that to others, you've now made them accomplices to your sin. You know I what I mean? It, yeah. Uh, well, I, I mentioned, I think I mentioned in a past episode when I was teaching the kids, my kids, uh, in her family and family worship, how to respond to wicked leaders. I think I meant, it might have been a few episodes ago. I can't remember. But it, in a nutshell, it was, I was trying to teach them about um, basically how to how to get a good knee-jerk reaction out of things, like when bad times come. And we were talking about the fruits of the spirit, and uh, actually, obviously, patience was part of that. But I was talking about how, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, when they think of President Biden, for example, and you know, their their first thought, and I said, you know, how how does our pastor pray? 
And how does Pastor Mike pray um, for our political leaders? How does Daddy pray for our political leaders? Like, what is the first thing that we asked for? And it's always that God would, you know, give them a heart of flesh and remove their heart of stone, and that would would make his enemies into his friends. That 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 should be our highest desire for anybody that's not saved. Um, but in reference to our political leaders, that should be that. And and what you're saying too, it goes along with that because there's a lot of people that, and maybe this is something as a listener you ask yourself when you think of President Biden, what's your first reaction to that? And be honest with yourself. What's your first reaction? If your first reaction is just to think, I can't stand that guy, uh, you know, he's terrible or whatever, rather than I really hope that God saves this man. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at that, so I'm not trying to hold myself up as a perfect example, but I'm trying to be good with that. Um, But yeah, we can't just constantly revile every bad leader. It's, It's not... It's not the Christian spirit, and it's also not good for us or the people around us or those people either. Now, here's what I hear people thinking when we say this. You're a pietist, and you are saying that, like, we just have to go along with tyranny and all that stuff, or that you can never be a prophet. And and let me say no to all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think we ought to be have piety, but that's not the same as pietism. Right. And I do think God's law is a great rebuke to civil leaders. And I do think President Joe Biden is a wicked man. Yep, absolutely. And and has pushed wicked policies. And I pray God would remove him from the office. Well, that's the other part of what I was talking about with my kids and even prayer of my pastor at church is always following up with, you know, but if... President Biden or this particular wicked leader that we're talking about uh, doesn't repent. Yeah, please remove him from office. Um, the or- question is, who has the duty to rebuke and call these people? Can I say that I believe it's mostly fathers, and 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 what I mean is fathers in the faith, in the mm-hmm. church, in the family, church, and civil authority. I mean, authority have responsibility to protect the those under their care. Sure. And one of the distinctions is fathers stand up and do what's right against the wicked, and they stand up in their position as fathers to do it. That's far different, I think, than just everybody in a crowd shouting, F. Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. I mean, one is just reviling and letting loose of grumbling and complaining, and the other is fathers standing up and doing what's right, taking action could be, and this is a thing, you know, so we are a patriarchy podcast. So, you know, one of the, the ways fathers need to be prudent and thinking about this is where and what can you do as a father to make changes? And if you, if as a father, most fathers do not have the, uh, what do you want to say, the influence on a federal level? And, but we think we're going to jump to that federal level of influence when we don't have any influence over our, our city government or our state government, our counties. And and so I think a lot of the prudence of fathers is go to your city council meetings and start making some progress there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, go—it uh, doesn't mean you can ever join protests that are part of 
a larger deal mm-hmm. with the federal government. Yeah. I mean, and we still vote and we can still, I'm not, I'm not even trying to get people to not to voice their opinion. I'm just saying we, we need to be on guard that we're, we are, our speech is according to what scripture says. And that could use sarcasm. That could, there's all kinds of things about it. We, I mean, we, we have no problem with that, with even sometimes godly mockery. And at the same time, there is a way in which that that's all we are. We have no gravitas. We're, we we have no weight and we have no real, we're not making any progress. We're just edgelords that are memeing without any, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just, no, I do. There's you're pe- just a kid grumbling and that's not helpful. Well, and there's people online that, um, again, like I've referenced that I've kind of hid, uh, even in my own friends list, but there's people that I'm, I'm not even friends with on Facebook. Um, just because they're I'm trying to be gracious in it, but they're kind of like a one trick pony. Like it's just nothing, but let's just rage against the government. It, it's just, you know, and look, I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine, but I'm not pro vaccine. Like I, I, you know, it's probably a whole nother episode for another day. But the current vaccine that's out there, uh, I, I I think there's could be problems with it or whatever. I think that it should just be people's choice if they want to get it or not. But I don't spend every ounce of my energy online posting nonstop about it and nonstop about the next, I don't know, Johnson & Johnson one to come out or the next variant of this and stuff. And there's some people online that um, even people that I technically viewpoint agree with but they're just so 24-7 intense. This is it all the time. And they're so negative about it. There's this, this I don't know how to describe it. You can help me out. There's just this intensity to it that it's like you could tell this has consumed this person. And and you, yeah, and there's not any, actually, they're not actually making any steps against it either. Correct. Other than right. Complaining. Right. Yeah. Or, I it's, mean, it's one thing. There's yeah. some people that. Like you're talking about the protest thing. I got no problem with protests. Bend to them. But um, there's some people like that's their whole life is a protest <laughs> of this one thing. And and you really kind of wonder like, and especially it, it, it actually just saddens me. I don't really comment on these, but it saddens me when there are people that I know and their wives are online more than they're online and they're nonstop just raging against government stuff. And, you you know, you look at it, and it's like this person has had, like, 21 posts in a day. And it's all about the stuff. Um, That makes me wonder how their home life is, and it makes me wonder about the man in particular, too, because it's like, what what are how are you leading your house that your, your wife is so consumed during the day with being what I consider afraid of what's going on in the world. I mean, one of the highest compliments my wife paid to me recently was I, I think I came home and I said something about um, something that was going on uh, out in one of our contracts where I was working and just, just decisions that were being made by this particular uh, local school district and stuff. And just kind of saying, you know, wow, it just, it just doesn't make sense. And she, the, I think the highest compliment she had paid at that point, it made me feel good. She said, you know, I, sometimes I really just forget that this stuff is all going on outside of our house, you know, and she was cuddled up next to me on the couch and stuff. And, and 
I took that as a compliment too, because um, I mean, she's a good woman. She doesn't worry about this stuff nonstop, anyways. But I also really try to make sure that the, the kind of entertainment that we, you know, do, the games we play, whatever we do with it as a family, um, is not centered around all of this craziness and stuff that's going on. That I, I try to make our our home a stable place for our kids and my wife. That our our Bible studies are not just nonstop defy tyrants and Anybody that knows me knows that I'm not making fun of the Defy Tyrants thing. I'm just saying there's some people that that's like their 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 one line trick pony, um, and to try to steer my family uh, towards having God's peace in their life and and reminding them of everything that we're talking about here, which is that you know Jesus sits on His throne now, and Jesus will come back and judge the earth, and and whether He comes back tomorrow or a thousand years from now. Um, actually, what's it's the quote? Is it Stonewall Jackson that you've brought up before about being as as basically as peaceful or whatever? In I don't know. I'm going to butcher the quote if I try it, but it's basically yeah. He was saying, asked about how why he was so courageous, and he yeah. said, you know, the Lord has fixed my day of death, and therefore I'm as safe in in battle as I am in bed. Right, and I've I've actually ever since you said that too. I've also I've really tried to think about that, especially when I get uh you know, anxious about something or stressed about something and uh, am, am tempted to kind of give into that is just thinking, you know, why am I afraid? Like, why am I fearful about this? Why, why I, I should do what God has given me to be able to do and trust him with, with everything. I mean, not just the rest, but everything else and, and continue to move forward. And I think for us as men, for me, I'll speak for me, I think it's when I lose sight of the mission and I start getting distracted by everything that's going on around me that day. And and I'm I'm not gonna lie, I mean it that's an easy thing to get distracted by. I don't want I don't think we're trying to say to anybody that this is all just super easy. Uh it takes work and it takes uh perseverance and practice. Um but I constantly try to just take a step back, take a deep breath, remind myself that Jesus sits on his throne and that God is sovereign and that this is the mission. This is the end goal. I, you know, I, I have a wife and kids and I have a home and I have a church and we have the gospel to preach and we have the kingdom to live out. And if I continually remind myself that day after day and then keep moving on, it, it gets easier as it goes. And But that is, it's, it's a temptation for all of us. I, I don't want to act like I'm, I'm perfect at that, but that quote, in particular, uh, I've reminded myself of that because it, it's true. It absolutely, unilaterally, is true. We should feel just as safe in our beds, uh, or just as safe outside of our homes or in whatever situation we're in as we are in our beds. And that kind of that that whole thing kind of leads me to the last point about this patience. So it's you know it's prudent, it's powerful, it's peaceful. It fights for the peace actually. And then it perseveres, and 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 uh, it, it says we count those blessed who endure, and it gives you kind of an examples of of those who endure, and it, it speaks of Job, and and one of the things I think about Job, right? You think about how you get the patience of Job, and if you remember Job and his story. There are times he doesn't have patience. Right. <laughs> yes. There's times when Job is like very, like he's done. 
I mean, yeah. he's done in. If I if I could just and talk to God, he, if I could just talk to God and convince him, yeah. Like if I can, or if I can be curse my day that I was born, right? <laughs> and all this stuff, yeah. and yeah, it's amazing how there's such a there's a great um, encouragement for me then, because I'm tempted, and I give in often to not being prudent, not being filled with the Holy Spirit as I should and relying on it and not being peaceful. Rather, I'm a grumbler at times. I'm passive at times. I'm pathetic at times. <laughs> at times. Rash. At times. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Or weak or cowardly. All those things. Mm-hmm. And yet there's got to be great hope that if, if Job endured, and, and that's kind of the patience of enduring pressing through and when you fail recognizing it and, and and exalting the lord and then notice how the lord exalted job and you know at the end you read the end of the book of job and god restores him and all these things and so the apostle peter here and i'm not sorry the apostle james not even the apostle james is it it's actually james uh, the lord's brother uh james um tells us that uh Job's the example, and then he tells us the the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. And I think when we look at days ahead of us, we have to plan for the new year. You know, we ought to sit down and plan out your mission with your family. If you haven't figured out how to do that, go back and find our, I think our episode from last year was really helpful in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do so knowing the Lord is merciful and gracious and he's good. Right, the if you're wicked, you don't have any hope of that. If you're his people, you may face discipline, you may face suffering, but he's good, and it's all for our good. And so you can kind of plan, you can face the future with confidence, not with cowardly fear, passivity, and lack of faith, and grumbling and complaining. And so I think the thing I really want to just press on our listeners, I mean, think about patriarchy and men being leaders. I think part of being a leader is helping our people who are underneath us face the future with that kind of patience and confidence and faith. And and I think if there's anything about a man, there's that, right? I, I can't think of how many times, like, in my life, my when I'm struggled and overwhelmed when I was younger as a kid, my dad would be confident. And I'm sure now that I'm a dad, there were times that he probably didn't feel that confident. <laughs> and yet he made sure that I knew that he was confident. And like um, you know, we and I think that's part of it is is helping our children and our wives face the future. And I don't know that we do that if we're just constantly complaining and thinking about how negative things are, yeah. rather than trusting in the Lord. Yeah, I, it made me think of, uh, so if you're not a long-time listener, and maybe you've only, maybe this is your first episode, or maybe this is a couple in, uh, we, early on, we had an episode on Gravitas, and then I believe last year, I think we had, maybe even this year, I can't remember, we had an episode on Fortitude. Those are Two episodes, I think, that might be good episodes to go back and listen to after this episode, if you haven't already heard them. Or maybe go back and listen to them again if you already listened to them. But I think those are helpful things in leading your family through times like this, uh, or just 
anxious times, stressful times, which certainly past two years in many ways and maybe more so for you than us or whatever has been. But I think those things, having gravitas uh, and having fortitude, um, I think kind of go hand in hand together as well. And uh, But I think that'll help. So go back and listen to those. I think those would be helpful. Um, but yeah, I think this is, uh, I think, a good place to end it for now um, since we got a about 50 something minutes in here. Um, so if you have any uh, comments or questions or if this episode has helped you or anything, uh, feel free to shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram or uh, uh, send us an email at contact at patriarchypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but uh, since this is going out just before uh, New Year's, happy New Year's from both Joseph happy and Moo I. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, goodness. Oh, my New Year's resolution is to if, get better if you're drinking jokes. drinking beer, happy booze year. Oh, my goodness. It's just going to keep coming. I need to end this now. I need to end this now. We're going to end it on a low. If you get, like, some sticky stuff on your hands, happy goo year. Okay. Okay. We're just end, we're ending this year on a low note. We're ending this year on a low note. Oh, goodness. Hope well. you don't get sick because it'll be happy flu year. Oh, man. It's just it, it's the gift that keeps on giving, folks. I got to tell you. What's, what's that yellow stuff that you drink? Oh, happy Mountain Dew year. I don't know. It's going to be a mute year if you don't be quiet here in a second. <laughs> Oh, I do this for you, folks. I endure it for you. All right. Well, uh, if you want to get some patriarchy swag, go to confessionalware.com. Support those people over there. Good folks. Uh, click on a podcast collaborations. Look for our stuff. And if you want to support us and support our network, if you're not already a member, go to fightlaughfeast.com. Click to sign up to become a club member. Get yourself access to There's a lot more stuff behind the portal now. It's, it's, it's getting really good. But we also have another show called After the Sandwich, which is for our members only and behind the portal. It's kind of our off-format show. It's a fun one, too. And you get access to it. If you go to fightlaughfeast.com, click sign up, become a member, and use the code PATRIARCHY when you do because it supports our show. But with that being said, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is the patriarchy. Uh-huh.